100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards. Good morning, this is Jeff Shannon, and this is Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you each and every week by FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, right here in Hendersonville, and at myfnmbank.com. This morning, we're honored to have newly re-elected mayor, Jamie Clary here. He's been a 47-year resident here, and everybody knows the mayor, but uh, he also wrote a book on Hendersonville City by the Lake, and it kind of covers the areas from 1968 to 1988. And welcome, Mayor. And is there another book we have? There is. Good morning, Jeff. A friend of mine, Tim Takis, wrote the first book in the history of Hendersonville that covered 1796 to 1968. Uh, and then uh, I helped him a small, small bit on that book, published, I want to say, 1992, 1993. And then uh, he asked me if I'd be interested in writing the second volume. And uh, it took me about six and a half years and uh, finished that book in 2000. Uh, it's, a, it's a thick, thick book. It's, it's not a novel. It's not terribly interesting. It's a reference book. The first question I get from people when they see how thick it is, they ask me, does it have any pictures? <laughs> That was, uh, it's funny you say that because I was yep. thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. When you see a book that's about an inch and a half thick, uh, you wonder how much of that is is actually a text. And I get that question very often. <laughs> so what, what prompted you to say, oh, I want to write a book on Hendersonville? So at the time, I was working at the Star News, the previous newspaper here in Hendersonville, the local newspaper. And um, like I said, Tim had written his book and had come out with his book and it was completely self-published. Uh, and uh, it, it was uh, incredibly interesting to me because before that, and this is part of the reason Tim wrote the book, uh, there was really no one source you could go to for information on Hendersonville's past. And uh, Tim was a county commissioner at the time, and he realized that, and so he started doing some research and uh, decided he was going write, to write that book. And he envisioned it he envisioned it being in three parts, and he covered the first two parts and, and put that in one volume. Uh, and then he, uh, he he asked me if I'd be interested in, in doing the second part, uh, doing the second volume. And I did. It took me about six and a half years. Uh, it was in, it was incredibly interesting. It was a great education uh, for Hendersonville. It certainly helped me uh, as I've been mayor. That's for sure. How do you decide how to? Do you pick up where you left off, or do you kind yeah. of go in more depth on a, on a, a second volume? So I picked up where he left off. He left off at the time when uh, Hendersonville went from being a community to actually an organized, incorporated city. Uh, because we did not have a city government prior to 1968. And uh, so that's where he got us to that point and felt like the next part of the story would be uh, after Hendersonville become a city. So I went from there uh, from 1968 and covered 1988. And there's a sort of a, a natural political break uh, in 1988. And, that's in, uh, and, and that comes with the change of the city government in 1986 and the, new, the first elected mayor from 1986 to 1988. And there's sort of a natural break there. People have asked me many times, am I going to write the next volume of, uh, of the history of Hendersonville? And I answer very quickly, no. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It is. Uh, there are certainly some rewards there, but it's, it's very time-consuming. One of the things that, you know, prior to moving here, because mm-hmm. we moved up from Orlando, mm-hmm. and this is like five years ago, mm-hmm. when, when Kathleen told me, that, hey, we're going to be going to Hendersonville, Tennessee, I go, where's that? And then I did research and come to find out, I mean, I was shocked. 
mm-hmm. I, the amount of history. Mm-hmm. Now, with me being in, in the radio business, mm-hmm. the music business, mm-hmm. that all the musical history, yeah. that sealed the deal right there. And I'm just going, this, this, <laughs> this is so incredible. I mean, that, to know that we're walking and driving on the same, well, maybe some of the sidebarks weren't there when mm-hmm. they were here, but some of the greats of all time in the music business lived right here in the city, shopped in the same stores. And there's still a lot of great ones right here mm-hmm. with us. And mm-hmm. I, I, I was just like, this is a thing. I thought everybody lived in Nashville, which come to find out that's not the case. <laughs> well, a lot of people think of Hendersonville, at least conte- you know, contemporarily, uh, as the home of, of Taylor Swift. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Swift was not the person that brought Hendersonville notoriety in the no. music business. Yeah. Uh, I cover a good portion of my book uh, about the music industry's impact on Hendersonville. And for a long time, the, I, I guess, nickname for the city of Hendersonville was Home of the Stars. Uh, and you can go back to Johnny Cash and uh, Bob Leuven and uh, gosh, Conway Twitty, and I mean, so many folks that you really think about as being stars in the 50s and 60s that continue to live here, the Mandrell sisters. Um, gosh, the Oak Ridge boys, who are very proud when they're on stage they to say that they are from Hendersonville. Yeah. That's where they live, and all four of them do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a, that's a wonderful nickname to have, and uh, uh, certainly, certainly hope that we can keep that going. Absolutely. And of course, we got Mike Huckabee in here now. That's very true, yep. And I, I, I was talking to Wynette Turner last, uh, last week, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, you know, Mike Huckabee's done some great things. He's very supportive uh, mm-hmm. of the Hendersonville, and he really participates in the community mm-hmm. as much as they can. And I said, put a put a little birdie in somebody's ear. We're going to have a Huckabee row. That would be cool. That would <laughs> be goes, cool. Absolutely. How do you would love that? <laughs> well, and where he is, his theater right there. Yes. The whole idea for that complex that became Twitty City and Music Village USA, the whole idea for that complex was really a Branson, Missouri before there was a Branson, Missouri. It was for people who lived in the Nashville area where they could come out and do a concert, mm-hmm. they could perform, they could bring people in from far away, and then the artists could spend the night at home. And that was the idea for that. It didn't quite take off, um, and they had a couple of change of ownerships, but Conway Twitty was living out there, uh, and he provided an awful lot of exposure for Hendersville then. Uh, you had a couple other museums that were there at the time, and now you have Mike Huckabee there. So yeah. it, it, is, it has sort of worked out for, uh, for positive exposure for Hendersonville, that's for sure. Now that you, you said that, I didn't realize they were trying to make it like an, a Branson, but, well, I don't think we have room to build all those theaters, but um, Not anymore. That, that would be cool yeah. if we had that. I'm just looking at this and going, this is a daunting task of researching all of this way back, and where do you go to, to find that information? I mean... It was hard. Uh, one of the benefits, and Tim Takis, who wrote the first volume, he and I talked about this, and he said one of the benefits that I would have is that I could go to some of the original sources, some of the people. Since he covered 1700s and 1800s, he he didn't have <laughs> no. he, he didn't have that option. But he said the good news is that you ha- that you can go to some of those sources and some of the people involved in the 1960s and 1970s, and you can get information from them. The bad news is you're writing about people who are still alive. And they are going to they are going to uh, want to uh, ask you to uh, restate things after it's in print, <laughs> and you know, and he and, and and it's it's very true that dead people don't complain. Yes, uh, right. So and it, it was it was difficult uh, even when I even when I interviewed people and I interviewed a couple hundred people, even when I interviewed them, I always made sure that I could find a source to back up what they were saying if it, if it had significance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not always easy. And even if I found something in the newspaper, I looked for a secondary source to back up uh, to back up what I was finding. And that's part of the reason it took so long is because the number of sources uh, to use for uh, to write a book on the history of Hendersonville were just so few and not always not always credible. Yeah. And you know, one thing that, that's interesting to me is how many folks living here right now that can really t- 
tear you up with history. I mean, oh. They could tell you things like Burkett Nelson. I mean, I can listen to him all day. You know, he's just got so much history and knowledge of you know, on the lake, you know, with the with the ship and all of that. But it's just fascinating mm-hmm. to learn all of these things that are have gone on right in this city. Oh, yeah. Uh, Burkett, uh, Chancellor Lewis Oliver, uh, oh. been, been here since birth. Uh, and several other folks. Burkett, it's funny you mentioned that, is that he was part of the group that uh, initiated Music Village and in then incorporated uh, Twitty City. Mm-hmm. He was part of that group that did that. He's been here that long that he was involved with that. Uh, and then you have several other folks that have been here, uh, gosh, for 20 to 30 years and that might be related to somebody who was here mm-hmm. before. So it's always interesting listening to some of those some of those stories. I do get disappointed when people uh, say, well, Hendersonville doesn't have any history. It's such a new city. And th- that's terribly untrue. Uh, yeah. there, there, there was uh, an awful lot going on here as far as the community prior to the 1960s. And certainly 1960s, 1970s, uh, there is a lot to cover during that time. And I think a lot of people might associate history with old buildings. There you go. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like you, Gallatin, you yep. go to Franklin, you yep. see all these old buildings that have been here. Oh, they've been here since the 1800s. Yeah. But... You know, it's not the case here. Yeah, yeah. And people also associate history um, incorrectly with government action. Uh, my book has 10 chapters. Only three of them deal with government action. Because I think it's it's really, when I think of history, history is a social science. And I'm going to get a little bit dorky here. Uh, history was my major. History is a social science. It's about people. It's about the community. And uh, so I want to make sure that I wrote about churches and I wrote about businesses and I wrote about organizations uh, that I included recreation, that I included the music business, mm-hmm. uh, because tr- history is not just about what happened to the government. And, you know, I guess that the, the lake Old Hickory was probably in there somewhere, but mm-hmm. I was just so shocked at what they did to make that lake. And, you know, how what was there before and, and the, the process of doing mm-hmm. that uh, for those that might be new. How, how did all that get you know, started? So, so the projects of the 19, 1930s, 1940s, uh, bringing electricity to rural areas, as well as doing a better job controlling flooding, uh, that's, that, started, uh, that, that started a series of dams being built in the southeast uh, and in other places as well. The Corps of Engineers started looking at where would be a good place for a dam on Old Hickory, around the Cumberland River. They looked at a couple different spots, and the dam a mile upriver would drastically change Hendersonville what it is today. At the time, Hendersonville didn't have two peninsulas, and you you had Drake's Creek, which you could literally walk through because it was such it was literally a creek. It was just mm-hmm. a, it was just a small, regularly flowing uh, body of water that was headed out to the Cumberland River. Uh, then when the dam came, it took about five years to build the dam. I think it was finished in 1957. Uh, when the dam came, then that widened Drake's Creek and it created the, the two main peninsulas that we have in Hendersonville. Still much of the focus of the city was where Walton Ferry, Old Shackle Island Road, and Gallatin Road come together because that was sort of the center of the farming community for 150 years. Not much of a farming community. Uh, once the lake came and then you had all of these small coves and inlets, uh, the music industry started paying attention. People started, they liked the water. They did. And so people that wanted a, a, a weekend getaway or wanted a bigger house, they would move out from Nashville, and they would have this great scenery right here on a cove on a lake that they had access to. Uh, from there, you saw more people coming out here, and then uh, with the completion of I-65, and you had more people that were moving to suburbs and moving to the south in the 1960s and 1970s. Hendersonville was ripe. It was, it was perfect for the folks that were looking to live in the suburbs, looking to live in the south, uh, that, were, that were looking for something involved in Nashville, especially in the music industry. 
Well, I know if they're looking for property back then, there's plenty of it at that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, great story, John Steinhauer and Jane Steinhauer. Jane Stein, Steinhauer is still in the community. She lived, they, they bought a house uh, down Walton Ferry Road when still part of Walton Ferry was gravel, and they bought one out on Circle Drive. They decided they were going to buy one lot out there close to the lake, and they, and they got an offer from the owner to buy a second lot. And the, the amount that they paid was just incredibly small back then. But they bought it at the right time, and very quickly, there are other people coming out here that wanted that lot because it became harder and harder to find lots, especially at that size, sure. right on the lake. Well, you know, and Burkett tells a story uh, out there on the one of the peninsulas there where Elvis used to come into town, and they well, there was a producer there, I guess. They, used to, they said, man, they had some great parties going on right there at that house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and of course, Johnny Cash's house was on the river. Uh, and then, you know, part of the lake and, uh, and, and very well known. It's a great story. His autobiography, Cash, is a great story. And, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen the movie, too, about his, about him deciding that he wanted to live out mm-hmm. here. Uh, and part of that had to do with his heartbreak over June over June Carter at the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. that later became June Carter Cash. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating yeah. uh, story with that. And, of course, we know what happened after yep. that, but yep. that, which was uh, truly sad for sure for, yep. for everybody. But, you know, I think that the... With the history here in Hendersonville, the the way that it is, and the way it's going to continue, what would you like from this point forward for, for people, you know, 20 years from now, looking back at this period of time, even though, I mean, forget COVID, that's going to be a thing that's, yeah. you know, it's stuck with us, but what would you like that vision to be or their memory of this? I'd like for people to see this is the time when Hendersonville really be, be, became a community that had everything that you need uh, to be part of a community. Uh, gosh, I can remember in the 80s and even in the 90s, if you wanted to buy a suit coat or you wanted to buy a car, you couldn't do that in Hendersonville. If you wanted to go to a nice restaurant, you mm-hmm. couldn't do that in Hendersonville. Uh, and we've overcome that. We've, we've really become uh, the point where anything you want retail-wise, you don't have to go to Davidson County anymore. You're going to find it here. We've overcome that. The next step to me is to provide the type of jobs that we need here for the people who live here. That's that's really the time period that that you know that you're speaking of. And if we can do that, and if we can make Hendersonville somewhat self-contained in in, in that idea. Now, I know that the economy of Hendersonville is always going to be dependent on what's going on in Nashville, especially in terms of healthcare. That's always going to be the case. Uh, but if we can have those satellite offices or even those headquarters for companies that have a relationship to Nashville or a relationship to the West, rest of the world, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I would just like to see more jobs here in Hendersonville for people who live here uh, as opposed to requiring people to drive to Nashville or to drive to Cool Springs uh, for their employment. Well, and I think that's the key here. I think people are tired of going mm-hmm. in the traffic, sitting there and spending all of that time. So we're going to talk further with Mayor Jamie Clary, newly reelected Mayor Jamie Clary, and uh, we're going to talk more about his vision for the city, and that'll be coming up. Stand by. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And welcome back to segment two here of Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, this morning, we have the honor of speaking with newly re-elected Mayor Jamie Clary right here. We're, we were talking a lot of history of, of Hendersonville, and there's I, I guess we can really talk about this all day. But, you know, you've seen businesses come in here. You've seen, you know, the, the people that have businesses for a long, long time and the West End and, and throughout Hendersonville. Uh, what can you tell us about the, the future of business right here in our city? So I certainly feel like the future is bright. Uh, we've seen uh, our top 20 employers add about 400 employees in the past two and a half years. 
Uh, and those aren't big announcements always. Very often that's adding 10 or 20 at a time and sometimes not even that many. Uh, and most of those are in uh, in professional jobs. Some of those are in manufacturing. We're going to continue to to seek all of those type of employers. Uh, and, and at the same time, we've seen local businesses uh, invest about $132 million. Uh, and most of that is building. A lot of that is uh, equipment. Uh, we've seen that $132 million in the past uh, about two and a half years, that that type of investment. You know, we see uh, St. Thomas's came, St. Thomas Hospital came to Hendersonville a couple years ago. Vanderbilt is building right now. Hendersonville Hospital is getting ready to expand, uh, adding two operating rooms. Uh, we're seeing what healthcare is doing in Hendersonville. And part of that is that that big healthcare providers they're realizing that people in Hendersonville are no longer as willing to drive to Nashville. I'll give you examples. My mom is 83 years old. For her to go to a doctor in Nashville is going to require one of her children, myself or, or three sisters, one of my three sisters, to take off some time. That's going to become a half a day endeavor. Absolutely. Uh, when folks that need doctors, especially specialty specialty doctors, specialists, um, when they have the option to go to a doctor in Hendersonville, uh, they're choosing it. And so those healthcare providers are realizing that if they're going to compete against a, a specialist in Hendersonville, they better get their own specialist in Hendersonville. Yeah. Uh, and I, I and I love that idea. Well, and I think it's 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 sad that we have to sit there and go. We have to uh, set our appointments around what time of day it is. Oh yeah, not at eight o'clock in the morning or yeah. at five o'clock in the afternoon yeah. or three or even three o'clock coming back mm-hmm. in here. You know, mm-hmm. you, you go there, you have to come back, yep. and you're you're sitting in a parking lot, you know, on sixty five coming up to Vietnam vets. So yep. it's you know, yep. it's kind of frustrating we spend that much time sitting in traffic. Oh, I agree, and I feel for those folks, and it's a quality of life issue. People that are driving to and from Nashville or other parts of Middle Tennessee for their job. They're spending time on I-65 that they could otherwise be spending time with their family. Uh, and we're seeing that folks, especially now, that if they have the opportunity to work locally or if they have the opportunity to work remotely, um, they're taking it. Mm-hmm. And it will be very interesting to me to, to, to hear from folks in the next 6, 8, 12 months what they're expecting their employer to allow uh, when when that they, they, now that they've explored other options. Yes, remotely. Yep, yep. And <laughs> and I've, I've got a couple of friends that work at some banks downtown, and they don't go in that often. And their expectation is that when all of this is done, that they're still going to be able to work from home three and four days a week because uh, it's a quality of life issue. Then they're right back with their family. You know, and, and I started thinking, what is this going to do to the future? Yeah. I mean, these businesses who have these large corporations mm-hmm. who have a lot of office space, mm-hmm. A lot of employees in there. I mean, how is this going to affect? I'm, I, who knows yeah. what's going to happen? But everybody working remotely say, "Gosh, we could save so much money by having them do that." Mm-hmm. Now, not all business would qualify, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, like Twitters and Facebooks and things like that. We have a lot of these people that work on computers. They mm-hmm. don't need to be in, in an office. They can do it remotely. I'm just wondering how that would would yeah. affect us here. So one of the questions I've been asking folks that have been working remotely that hadn't been doing that before, I asked them, how good is their productivity? And it's been all over the board. And in some cases, the productivity among their staff has actually improved. And they said that there's there's no longer an opportunity for somebody to sort of hang out in the office and have a conversation. They say that's good and bad. The other side of that is when two people are talking on the phone, they need to add a third person. They can't just go around the corner and walk in that person's office. They've got to set up a Zoom appointment. Uh, but I do think that you're going to see some folks that uh, that have some big buildings or are planning some big buildings downtown of scaling back the size that they feel they need. And that's going to be to Hendersonville's benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering that we have so many people that are driving into Nashville, a good portion of those people are probably going to be able to work from home. What would you 
say to the the folks that say, well, we just we don't have any place to put these headquarters or we don't have any place to, to put the, the big places. We absolutely have those places. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we've, we've got land, uh, especially down Saundersville Road, especially uh, uh, Freehill Road, especially down Centerpoint mm-hmm. Road, we've got some spots. And it's not just uh, corporate headquarters, but it's also we have some land that's available for manufacturing, that's available for assembling. Mm-hmm. For assembly. Freehill Business Park, is it's a wonderful gem we have here, and sometimes people don't Most understand. Most people don't know it's there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And part of that is that we have so many people that are traveling from outside Hendersonville for their jobs there. That's wonderful we've got some we've, we've got some manufacturers uh, on Avondale access off Saundersville Road and a lot of people just see those buildings as they're driving by on Vietnam Veterans Boulevard and don't really know what's going on there we've got some very strong employers in both of those sites yeah. and uh, and they continue to do well Vietnam vets and I, and I think you know where I'm going with this mm-hmm. so what is the word okay. and I know T dot has a you know mm-hmm. that's a, a, a big issue but what are they going to be doing with they're adding another lane what's Mm -hmm. tell us about that oh this is probably about a two-hour conversation (laughs) Um, so uh when the general assembly passed the improve act about four years ago about three and a half years ago in that specifically was widening vietnam veterans boulevard with a transit component the general assembly didn't really define what a transit component was so the mayors of sumner county ford sumner uh, a couple businesses we decided we would help Tennessee Department of Transportation define transit component. What we didn't want is we didn't want everything that was added to Vietnam Veterans Boulevard being restricted. We didn't want it being restricted for HOV. We didn't want it being restricted to uh, buses. We didn't want it restricted to any sort of mass transit. We wanted as much flexibility as possible because if you were on Vietnam Veterans Boulevard a year ago heading to Nashville on a Monday morning, you knew that it needed a third lane right then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we wanted to make sure that that we had as much, we had as few restrictions as possible. So we worked with the Tennessee Department of Transportation, um, and again, these are the mayors of Sumner County, Ford Sumner, several businesses here. We worked with the Tennessee Department of Transportation and some of their consultants and encouraged them to include a transit component, but also to uh, release restrict, relieve restrictions as much as possible. So just a couple months ago, we heard back from them that what the what Tennessee Department of Transportation is going to pursue has a couple parts to it. There will be a third lane going each direction that will be open for general traffic. Okay. All traffic will be able to use that. There will be, uh, the shoulders will be built so that a fourth lane can be accommodated in the future, but in the short term, it will allow buses to travel there. When traffic gets backed up and commuter buses uh, get below, I want to say 35 miles per hour, when they get below 35 miles per hour, the buses will be allowed to use the shoulders. I'll come back to buses in just a second. The other component to this is that the entrance ramps getting on I-65 and getting on Vietnam Veterans Boulevard and the exit ramps, they're going to be extended because a lot of the the traffic tie-ups happen when people are moving in and moving off. Merge. Yeah, and if you can (laughs) extend that opportunity to merge or the opportunity to, to move over, uh, if you can extend that, that eliminates some of this, you know uh, some of those backups. As far as buses, uh, we have right now two buses that that uh, take uh, employees from Hendersonville to downtown Nashville every day, every morning. And we have three that come back every day. The city spends some money and subsidizes that, and we also have a federal grant that, that helps us with that. Uh, and we want to make sure that those buses are... Uh, uh, they're appealing to folks. Part of the complaint about buses is you're still sitting in the same traffic. Uh, it, what it allows you to do is allows you to read a book, allows you to search the web, you know, because you're not actually driving. But if you're still sitting in the same traffic and your concern is the time, 
the bus may not be the solution. Mm. If the bus can be on the shoulders, that might help more people decide to take buses and get some cars off the road. It's not, it, it's certainly not a cure-all, it's far yeah. from that. But it satisfies that transit component that the General Assembly expected, and it should help uh, relieve some of the traffic on I-65 and Vietnam Runners Boulevard. Well, I mean, something has to be done. I mean, everybody's got to say that. And I yep. guess the, the light rail concept has been, is that still anything or it's hard too far off? It's hard since CSX owns the, owns the, that rail. But could they not go right down the center of Vietnam Vets with a, you know, a, I don't know what they call it, not a trolley, but, you know, a, kind of a I, electric thing or something? I guess those are possibilities, but the infrastructure for that, because you got to think, okay, so, and we've looked at some drawings of this. Okay, that means that we have to have a couple stations, which means we have to have a couple parking lots that have to be accessible from both sides of Vietnam Veterans yeah. Boulevard. Yeah. That might be something that is considered down the road, but we didn't want to hold up some necessary improvements for right now uh, with some uh, longer-term, more complex improvements. Right. Uh, we, like I said, we looked at plans for, uh, for more trans- mass transit stops, and we haven't said no to those, and those are still certainly on the table, and TDOT may come back to us, and, that, and that's fine. It's, it's nothing that we have that we have crossed off the list yet. But in the short term, really probably six to eight years, we can see construction on an additional third lane for general traffic uh, both ways on Vietnam Veterans Boulevard. Okay, so here's the next one. You know okay. where I'm going. Okay. Saundersville Road yep. going underneath the tracks. Yep. And secondly, yep. follow up with Walton Ferry, mm-hmm. Old Shackle. So Saundersville Road, where the tracks are, we have an obligation to do some work there uh, that was made on the previous mayor with TDOT. The engineering work is almost finished. Uh, we're in the phase of acquiring property because now that we know that the engineering is finished, we know where that road is going to extend. Can you explain how I, I'm okay. trying to picture it? Okay. So, is the ramp going to change to mm-hmm. go more to the right and then yes. go underneath where that field is between the produce and yeah? Yep, that's exactly it. So, if you're coming from Nashville to get off on, on Saundersville Road, you're going to take a right on that ramp. That ramp will be altered a little bit and then we'll go across Saundersville Road, go under uh, the railroad tracks and connect with Gallatin Road. So we'll, we'll have a new section of road there. Well, Winston Hills, go away. light go away completely. Yeah, okay. Go, go away, right. okay. Right. So it would help traffic move through there for in a, in a couple ways. Um, it is difficult to deal with uh, CSX at times because they wanna make sure that, 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 their, uh, that their traffic is not, uh, is not delayed. Uh, but we know what a hassle that is when that train comes through there in the afternoons, and I'm, it's five miles long. Yeah, I'm, I'm being nice right now when I mention CSX. Uh, uh, and, they, and they are certainly concerned that, uh, that, that what they have there isn't upset. They're a business, and they have an awful lot of their customers that rely on that train getting where it needs to go. And I want to say it's maybe 15 or 16 per day. So to do that, to create that tunnel, uh, to make sure that the track is stabilized, to do all the construction work, is probably in the neighborhood of 10 to $12 million. Mm-hmm. To raise 10 to $12 million locally, we would have to double our property tax. Mm-hmm. You just saw what happened when Nashville raised it by 32%. Imagine yeah. if Hendersonville raised it by 100%. That's not gonna happen. It's absolutely not yeah. gonna happen. So we have been applying, our staff has been applying for some federal grants uh, for a little while. We've been turned down twice, but, one of the things that we do when we get turned down working with a consultant uh, that has experience with this is we go back to the federal agency that provides those grants, the federal agency that turned us down, and we say, what did we do wrong? So the next time that we apply for that, those type grants, we're going to have a better application, and the ones that beat us 
are no longer going to be on that list. So we're going to move up and move up and move up. We hope that we could get one of those grants. There's a couple grants. It's the Infra Grant and the Build Grant uh, that can help us with that. And in some cases, it would really cover the construct the whole construction cost. Mm -hmm. In some cases, there would still be a local component. But I'd much rather pay a portion of $10 million than all of $10 million. So what would be the city's cut in that? There's two grants that I mentioned, and there's a third grant, and all of them are different as far as what the city's cut in, cut is. In some cases, they help provide uh, money for the land acquisition, or they help provide money for the engineering, or they help provide money for the actual construction. Uh, so it's hard to it's hard to nail down exactly what what our portion would be. Like I said, though, I'd much rather pay a portion of the $10 million than all of it. Just get it done. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, that, and, that, and that is an issue, too. At some point, you wonder, okay, do we just quit applying for these, and do we just move forward? I did have a, a question on... When they're building this tunnel going underneath mm -hmm. the road, is it is it going to be two, four lane? Do we have a vision on that? Yeah, I think it's four lanes. I'm not positive. To, to get the amount of traffic that's coming yeah. off of there. Because yeah. they're still going to be able to turn right on Saundersville and left on Saundersville mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to continue there. There yeah. just won't be a Winston Hills. Right. To get the, to Gallatin Road, you have to go underneath yeah. and then yeah. go At the, the intersection is certainly going to have more than two lanes. Okay. Um, it's, uh, but I don't know what it looks like actually going under the railroad track. I think it's two lanes each direction. Because you're going to have people coming down to the end wanting to yep. turn either yep. way. And then, you know, so we, you start looking at that and trying to have yeah. some foresight <laughs> yeah. planning on that, which kind of, speaking of that, uh -huh. kind of leads me to Walton Ferry. Okay. Because that has been an ancient thing. It's yep. been of how many, 13, 14 years? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think it might be two or three times with the 13 or 14 years you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, so that is entirely a state Tennessee Department of Transportation project. We contribute to it, but they, they manage all of it. They had some problems with engineers uh, a couple of years ago and the way they engineered, not necessarily the intersection, but where it goes over, again, the CSX railroad track. Uh, mm -hmm. Because the whole project goes all the way to the railroad tracks on the north, on mm -hmm. New Shackle, mm -hmm. excuse me, on Old Shackle, and it goes all the way to almost Imperial Drive on the south. On really? Walmart, so, it's, oh. so when you think of that intersection, it's actually much longer than it is wide, mm -hmm. uh, much, much longer. So uh, we just got some good news a couple weeks ago um, that uh, they will be letting bids to demolish the bank and the building across the street. And that's that's the next step. Uh, and then, be moving, then, then they'll move forward with the actual construction bids to do that. Now, the new business just opened. What is it? Pop, stop, or oh, yeah. right yeah. there on, yeah. on the left side. They're safe. They're safe, just They're safe. The, on the on the right side. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. give everybody a visual. Yeah, yeah, and it's um it's a, it, it's it's frustrating, and it's even more frustrating that um we got a little of a little of a setback a couple months ago. But things were moving forward as far as bidding, as far as demolition of those of those buildings. TDOT got concerned about the level of revenue coming into the state about six months ago. It doesn't surprise any of us that that's the case. Mm -hmm. Some of the first projects to get delayed or at least get a second look were large construction projects, local construction projects. And so that made us worry a little bit. It's good news that they've let us know that the demolition bidding is going to happen. It's bad news that it hasn't already happened. Well, I know people are anxious to see what oh, yeah. is going on with that. And I know Alderman Campbell is really an advocate mm -hmm. of that and very vocal yeah. <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. But we'll keep you in touch uh, with that. Hey, listen, we're going to go into our break right now. We'll be right back as Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. 
And welcome back to Summer County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon. We've been talking with newly re-elected Mayor Jamie Clary about a lot of great issues. And I know a lot of people have on their mind is traffic. Mm-hmm. What What's going on with the, the traffic lights? So the traffic light, uh, the synchronization is something that we've been working with the state for a long time. It, we're providing some money toward it. Uh, the, state is, the, the state is providing some money toward it. And what we've been working on is uh, to synchronize all the traffic signals in the city. We, we got some bad news about two and a half, three months ago. And that was that the design that was created in 2015 had a flaw. It had some flaws in a couple of intersections. The design that was submitted to TDOT uh, led TDOT to believe that we owned all the property we needed to make the improvements in traffic signals. Uh, TDOT came back to us and said, no, you don't. Uh, there, were, there were a handful of spots that concerned them. So what that did is that that required that we go out and do some surveying, but also pushed us back. And I think you're going to hit on this in a few minutes about how TDOT uh, funds projects is they don't borrow money. And, and that's something that when you get when you get sort of knocked out in the queue, um, sometimes you go back further than really you deserve. So we had to, we had to go do some surveying. We fixed what was the design flaws from 2015. And now we're back to moving again and uh, feel like we have what we need to show that that property is ours or will be ours or will be in the hands of the state. They won't allow us to put traffic signal equipment on somebody else's property. Just imagine that cabinet that sits at the base of a traffic signal if it's on, if it's on somebody else's property. Mm-hmm. That's, that makes sense. They won't allow that to happen. So uh, we, we fixed that. We're going back to TIA and hopefully, hopefully we'll be moving forward with that pretty soon. And then that, that helps an awful lot when it comes to traffic. I get as frustrated as anybody when, when you sit there and just after your light turns green, you see the one 200 yards ahead of you turn red. Very frustrating. Yeah. But we have made sure uh, with, our, with our traffic folks, with, um, uh, with, with our public works department, and it's been Sarah Locke and, um, and Marshall Boyd have helped an awful lot when we, when we get complaints and concerns about specific traffic signals that we address those. I'll give you a great example. Benita Parkway and Gallatin Road. The Gallatin Road portion used to have a red light much longer than it needed to. People were pulling out of Benita Parkway, they were getting on Gallatin Road, they were taking off, everything was good, but then everybody sat. So we fixed that and we changed the timing there. We also had a couple traffic signals that would have a green arrow for nobody to turn. And so we fixed those, we fixed some of the equipment that we had there that was tripping the the, the signal to provide the green arrow. Because when there's a green arrow, it means that there's a red light somewhere else. So if there's nobody that needs that green arrow, People who are sitting at that red light are just sitting there. And it, it frustrates me sometimes when I, when I would be sitting in a traffic signal and think, nobody is moving right now. And so we fixed some of those, and Sarah's done a wonderful job. Marshall has done a wonderful job there, too, in identifying some of those. I welcome people to send me an email, give me a call if they see something like that, because it's not something that, uh, that we always know of, because very often some of our equipment that is a couple decades old uh, it, will start to show, it will start to show its age and start to malfunction, and sometimes we don't know that something that was fine a month ago has changed and needs to be fixed today. So we're still having, uh, I think it's at 11 o'clock where the traffic yep. lights go on blink on, mm-hmm. on, on Main Street yep. there. So is that still in effect? It is. I got After we did that about three years ago, I got an email from a lady who goes to work at three in the morning. I think she was a nurse. And she said that I literally changed her life. She said it, <laughs> it took her 10 minutes less time to get to yes. work every morning when there's no traffic. And it's very frustrating to her that she would pull up a traffic signal and nobody else would be on the road. Yeah. And yeah. she would have to sit at a red light. Now, I'm not saying that she did this, but I have heard from people that at that point, 
they don't even pay attention if the light's red or not. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, I know it's just a, it's really nice, especially when you come out of a lengthy BOMA meeting, that you can get out there and not have to sit at that red light. That was, that was Tuesday night, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. we could talk another show about, just about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so with the traffic, I know mm-hmm. that has to have an impact on people saying, wow, that traffic in Hendersonville is so bad, you know, people wanting to come to shop, and they mm-hmm. think, well, I'm stuck in all these red lights. So yeah. I know businesses would be really glad to hear about this uh, synchronization. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And you know, I I want to shop locally as much as possible. Absolutely. Uh, and and I think most people want to, want to do that. If it takes you longer to get to something, you're going to think twice and you're going to think, well maybe maybe I'll order online, maybe I'll do it next week, you know, something like that. It's great to see the Ace Hardware that we have opening on West Main Street. Um, it's wonderful to see some of the other places, uh, Smash and Crab here right across the street. Yeah. And we need to do our best to make sure that their investment that we can help people take advantage of that investment, that we can help people become customers of those businesses. And uh, that's incredibly important to me, especially some of those shops that you see in some of the older sections of town, part of the original Hendersonville, uh, they're doing well. Uh, Brian's Motorsports, it's a great secret right there. Brian is a national brand and he is bringing people in uh, that become customers in Hendersonville that are paying taxes in Hendersonville and uh, it's a wonderful situation for sure. us to be in. Absolutely. And I think with the, I, I guess there's some kind of revitalization of West Main and Brian Motorsports that they had some, I, I remember seeing renderings of the, I guess, sidewalks and mm-hmm. some green space uh, involved in that. Is mm-hmm. that still underway? It is. So he has just opened up uh, a new shop in the back, spent sizable, sizable chunk of money. Uh, very excited about that. And we're also encouraging people, and we're spending some money planting more trees. You see it over by Gene Brown Elementary School. You see it at some of our intersections at Vietnam Veterans Boulevard. Uh, that just as people come into town, as people are driving through town, we want them to see that, that this is an aesthetically pleasing site. We know that there's a lot of people coming in town specifically to go to some of our marinas. So when they when they make that journey, we want them to enjoy the drive. Absolutely. Well, you know, and you've got a lot of great like fishing tournaments mm-hmm. coming here. You've got a lot of sports. Yep. You've got uh, major tournaments coming here. And now with the new rugby field, yep. Uh, yep. that's going to be attracting a lot more people. So. Yep. Uh, it's coming, folks. <laughs> and I know with business, I know they're happy about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of, I guess it's a good time to let's roll right into our, okay. our, our guest visiting us with us right here. And Mr. Rod Kirk, our economic development director. And welcome in, Rod. Thanks, Thanks. for coming. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you having me. So, so what can you tell us about, the, you know, with the traffic and the business? What are you seeing from people wanting to come to our city? Is, is that even a factor? Well, it's interesting that I, I find uh, that... People complain about the traffic to an extent, uh, and yes, as the city grows, there is more traffic. But for the businesses and the retailers, that daily traffic counts what they look for. Mm-hmm. So the more cars that are on the road, it's actually good for our retailers because that's typically part of their formula. How many cars do we see drive by our organization, our st- storefront every day? So while it takes a little bit longer to get to those places, that support that's coming from those traffic keeps those retailers in business. Yeah. So we we just need to figure out what the balance is between taking a little longer to get to those shops, but still shopping locally so those folks have the, the traffic counts to stay in business. Mm. And I think with a lot of cities, especially a growing city like ours, and it's, it's growing all the, all the time, and I know a lot of businesses would love to relocate here because they definitely don't want to go downtown, and it's such a, a great breath of fresh air to come here and not have to stress about all of the things that are going on downtown. How are we doing on attracting 
you know, these, these bigger businesses, that, which brings more jobs to our area. Yeah. So as the mayor's talked about commercially, things really haven't slowed down for us. Uh, we're still seeing uh, commercial businesses invest, open up new stores. You mentioned Pop Shelf which is a dollar general concept. And I believe they only opened up two or three of those as the kind of a trial for their new concept. And so we're fortunate in Hendersonville to get one of those stores, but those kinds of companies and those types of stores are still looking at Hendersonville in terms of the larger companies and and recruiting those jobs. You know, the market's in flux right now, specifically office space and what that's going to look like after the pandemic. There's obviously been a lot of changes in terms of people working from home, Zoom meetings increasing, all of those technologies that have existed for a while, but now we're really utilizing those probably to the to the fullest extent. So that office market is fluctuating. Uh, there's been some good news in terms of Hendersonville that those urban projects that we've seen over the last you know, five years or so are now starting to consider the suburban market, which bodes well for us. We do have some new inventory online, and that's something I've been talking about since I started here is you have to have product to sell. Uh, we now have a close to 25,000 square foot Class A office space uh, right here in, in the streets of Indian Lake over off of Saundersville. Um, so that will help tremendously when companies are looking at us that they can actually see the building in the setting of this campus style area where you can walk to restaurants and retailers. And that's really a, a big thing for companies these days. They, they like to have that campus style setting for their employees. So having that office space to sell will help tremendously. We are working on a project right now that's also looking at some office space and they're willing to look at a site. So they're they're willing to build from ground up, which doesn't happen very often with office products. So that's encouraging to us mm -hmm. as well. So things actually have picked up um, really just in the last 30 days in terms of us getting looks for office projects. And as we've said before, typically it takes that one notable company to make that move and then you're on the radar and right. other companies will look to follow. Right. And, you know, I think right there on Saundersville Road, as you approach, uh, you know, 386 there, all that property, I mean, it's just prime. And I, and, and the mayor said earlier, with that such a great area right there. But, you know, Rocky came in there and, and started it. Then the orthopedics came in. Are we expecting more of those types of uh, size buildings or are we going high rise? I would say that you're probably going to continue to look at those types of buildings. Um, I think a four story is probably in our sweet spot. I think we may go up to six stories but we'd have to really look at that. I think the four-story suits our, our area better. Um, typically, that'll take a little bit more property if you build out instead of up, but we do have some great sites, as you mentioned, up along Saundersonville Road. And yeah, the, the companies that have located there that are really building Class A facilities will help that trend. And as you've seen, those facilities, Rockies Building and, and TOA, you know, those are really nice buildings. And I suspect that that corridor will continue to fill out whether it's law offices or, or medical, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see some office buildings along that corridor. Sure. Um, but yeah, I suspect that'll fill out. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Mayor Cleary, I know you've, you've got another uh, appointment you've got to run off to. Anything you want to add? Uh, anything you want to mention or make a point of? One of the things that Rod mentioned to me, and, this is, and he's repeated this a couple of times, is that when we hear of companies that want to come to Middle Tennessee and he gets a notice from whether it's the National Chamber of Commerce or Tennessee Department of Economic Development, so many of those companies need office space in the next three months or next four months or sometimes the next six weeks. If you don't have the office space available right now, you're not in the running. And I think you gave me a percentage one time, Rod, 
about how many of those projects need office space available uh, to really just build out. They don't want to build from the ground up. And it means that without that office space, or is 30,000 square feet or 50,000 square feet, without that ready for somebody to move in, we are excluded from so many of the projects that are coming to Middle Tennessee. So you can't just say, build it and they will come. I mean, you, that's a big investment to have it just there sitting you there. You know what I'm saying? There and you so go. you've got to have, you know, something going on that, yep. you know, people can actually see right now. Yeah. And we've, we've discussed that with some builders uh, about seeing if there's ways that we could help them. We're not going to invest in an actual property. We want them to build space that doesn't have a tenant today with the idea that once it's finished, we would get some tenants. The city of Henderson isn't going to invest in that. And realizing it's not our investment, there's not a whole heck of a lot we can do to encourage a builder to do that or a property owner to do that. But we've looked at ways that possibly if the building is still empty after two years, do we mitigate, do we reduce their their, their property tax? Uh, Is there something else that we can do to help? Is there something we can, is, is there... Uh, other other ways that we can help reduce the risk for them. We want them to build that building. We're not going to build it, but is there something we can help them do uh, to get that building built? Well, I know a lot of businesses are always looking for incentives. There you go. And, you know, that sometimes you get in bidding wars with other mm-hmm. cities mm-hmm. or counties and that kind of thing. So that that's, doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun right there. <laughs> I, I completely agree. We don't want to get in that bidding war. What we want is we want, uh, we're, we're especially looking at those businesses that have a lot of employees that live in Hendersonville, that are working outside of Hendersonville right now. Mm-hmm. You and Rocky McElhaney is a great example. Is that he had a couple employees in his office in Nashville. When he moved out here, he had resumes before he had announced that his that he was building out here. And it's from people who have a background in law mm-hmm. and were working in Nashville. And they were saying, well, I want to work with you because I want to be closer to home. And Rocky won't say this, and his employer and his employees won't say this publicly, but a lot of them took less money than they would have to work in Nashville in order for them to work in Hendersonville. Sure. Well, look how much how much you're saving. Yeah. Oh yeah. My gosh, absolutely. That's crazy. Absolutely. I, I know you've got to we appreciate your time so Thank much you. for it. And congratulations Thank on you. the, the re-election. I know you've got a, a big job in front of you. Thank you. And we'll have to have you come back sure. as you, we get more into the term and uh, see how the relationships are going and, and how things are going with the city. But uh, it's moving in a positive direction, and we appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Jeff. And I really appreciate WHIN. One of the successes I feel like we've had during my first term was getting WHIN to move out here. I had very little to do with that. but certainly, and we're happy, too. Yeah, I'm very enthusiastic to tell people that we have a radio station in Hendersonville. Absolutely. Well, we, we appreciate you, and thank you so much for coming in. That's going to lead us into our next break. Uh, We'll be right back to talk more with Rod Kirk, our Economic Development Director, right here on Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Hey, we're glad you found us right here at Sumner County Spotlight each and every Sunday morning right here at WHIN at 10 a.m. And then, of course, you can follow this podcast on our website at whinradio.com. Just go to the podcast section and you can find the episode you would like and you can view that. We're going to continue our conversation right now with Mr. Rod Kirk. We appreciate him coming in. You know, he's really busy these days and he's our economic development director right here in the city of Hendersonville. Rod, thank you so much for doing this. And what can you tell us about the temperature of the business here in Hendersonville? Yeah, so thanks again for having me on, Jeff. Appreciate it. Right now, we are seeing seeing growth, which is great. Uh, We have a local company called Nashville Tempered Glass that's over in the older industrial park off of Saundersville Road, Um, and they are building a brand new sort of a warehouse mini office space next to their current manufacturing facility. 
Now this organization has a location here and a location in Nashville. So they could have chosen to, to grow in Nashville and they've chosen Hendersonville, um, which speaks well for us. And I like to see that on our manufacturing side because we're not a heavy manufacturing city. So when we see our manufacturers growing, uh, that certainly helps us in terms of you know, job growth and, and investment back into the city. So we are seeing a lot of activity. Uh, I, I get several requests for information every week from either the cha- Nashville Chamber or the Tennessee Department of Economic and Community Development. Uh, I would say probably 90, 90 plus percent of those are manufacturers. And again, it's not really the space we're playing in. We have they a, want warehouse space, right? You they want warehouse space. They want a hundred thousand square foot manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the things that we'd love to have, mm-hmm. we just don't have the property or the existing buildings to house mm-hmm. those folks. Um, so we haven't really played heavily in the manufacturing space, although we do support our locals. And, and as I mentioned, we're watching them grow. The activity has been really good. I think, you know, people are still kicking the tires a little bit, waiting for the pandemic to own exactly the right term is, but just kind of waiting it out to see. We're waiting for it to get what the temperature is after that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they're still making plans. They're still looking at growth. They're still looking at location. The activity's there. And I think once pandemic is under control or, or again, uh, whatever the term you want to use, I think that will really blow up and, and you'll see those businesses start making those decisions to locate. Yeah. Now, are you seeing, are we getting a lot of foreign investors or foreign kinds of uh, backed businesses? Or are, we, are we focusing more on local Middle Tennessee or people out of the state? How's that going? So Tennessee historically has been a really popular state for foreign direct investment. Uh, a lot of that through the automotive industry, of course. And so that's always been a big part of our recruitment process in the state is to look at foreign direct investment. That's really slowed down more than local growth, again, because of the uncertainty and pandemic. And mm-hmm. and most of those companies are risk adverse. So they're, they're looking to do anything they can to mitigate those risks, which means they're probably gonna, not going to make those decisions in a high risk environment. Sure. Um, so the, the FDI has slowed down a little bit, um, but but we continue to look at that. Like I said, it's been really strong for the state historically. Um, we do have some foreign companies here in Hendersonville, and that's something we'll continue to, to look at is to bring more foreign direct investment here. From a city standpoint, what are the types of businesses uh, that we're trying to attract here? What would be the ideal if you could say that? So we don't necessarily have an industry sector that we're recruiting, although we would be strong in in the medical area, we're really recruiting more of an operation type thing. So a small headquarters, a regional headquarters, back office operations, mm-hmm. um, things that are in that sort of that sector that we feel like the workforce is already here in Hendersonville. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those types of jobs is what we're looking at. It's not really tied exactly to an industry sector per right. se. So you have a, a lot of that, uh, like at Avondale Lane back there, and all the, that warehousing area. Right. Um, I know that you said there was some business looking to, to build back in there. What about just on uh, New Shackle, just past Volunteer Drive there? It had, it's been like road back in there. Like that there's one building. What, what's the plan for that section? I think the plan is basically smaller warehousing attached with either like a workspace or an office space. So you can store product and you can work out of that building. I can't remember how many units that's made up of. Mm -hmm. And those are things that I'm happy to help fill if those projects come across my desk. But typically those types of companies are either 
working through a specific developer or they have a real estate person that's helping them. So I may never even see those kinds of projects coming into Hendersonville. Um, The other piece of that is that, you know, we certainly welcome all of those organizations and, and the jobs that come with that. One of the things that Mayor and I talked about when he hired me was not just bringing in jobs, but to elevate the median income in Hendersonville. We're very careful about the companies that we're working with and, and whether we're going to look at offer incentives, because if they're bringing in jobs that are still helpful to the community, but are not going to raise the median income, again, that's part of our metric. Mm -hmm. So that's something we're really looking to do. Sure. You know, speaking of that area back in New Shackle, I was so happy and excited me so much when celebrity coaches moved in. I mean, what, what they've done to that property is incredible. It's gorgeous back there. And of course I love looking at the buses. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really, (laughs) really neat operation back there. Absolutely. If anybody hasn't seen it, I would encourage to go back because the buses are fantastic and the owner is such a great guy. I know Mm -hmm. Kathleen just did something with them recently. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really neat company to have here. Yeah, it really is. And I guess the next, just as you talk and things pop in my head, Let's talk about Sanders Ferry Road. There was a big, and, and, and maybe you can answer this, maybe not, but for the longest time, there's been a rendering out on Main Street that had some kind of complex going on. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're driving, but it's hard to see, you know, you're trying to grasp it. But what was the plan for that from Lincoya all the way back down, let's say, to Moby Dickies? Is there any plan for any of that? Um, I know that there was a, this was before my time, but there was a master plan for that Drake's Creek area okay. right. that was going to connect those two sides of Main Street. I don't know exactly what that looked like mm-hmm. and where that is in the process. There's so many challenges that come along with that. <laughs> Got to buy those properties. <laughs> and especially when you're working uh, with any waterfront property sure. in the Corps of Engineers, and there's just so many different hoops you have to jump through that I think, you know, I talked about companies and developers being in risk adverse. Yeah, that's a project that probably comes with a certain amount of sure. risk. Yeah. So when you look at the expense of buying waterfront pro- property and then working with the core, it's just challenges that are hard to overcome. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I think that's why part of the reason why we haven't seen as much progress on that as maybe some of us would like to. Now, I know the city has been doing a, a lot of events. We have a lot of events. We do. You know, we got the new rugby uh, complex that's coming in here. We get a lot of tournaments coming in. And I think that's really exposing people, maybe that are coming from out of the area that might have businesses mm-hmm. that you know, could benefit from, from moving here. And I know Andy has been working really hard on bringing these, these tournaments here and making Drake's Creek Park, one of the premier operations in middle Tennessee or even Tennessee uh, alone. But what are some of the things that the the city is doing to try to attract all these businesses other than these events? What I do on my end is a lot of the projects that I work are done through site selection consultants. And these are national consultants that companies hire to help them assess sites in one state or many states or even internationally. And so those companies, they look at all of those risk factors. They take in all the information that the company needs and wants, and then they send out these requests for information. Part of what I do is maintain relationships with those site selectors. Prior to COVID, we would have three or four uh, economic development events per year that you could go and sit with the site selection consultants and have some one-on-one time with them and talk about your community and what are the assets mm-hmm. and what are your goals and what are you trying to do? And those those relationships and that personal touch and, and providing that information plants that seed with those folks. So when they're working a project and typically they wouldn't even know Hendersonville was on the map, mm-hmm. but they think, oh, that's right. I talked to that guy at that meeting 
And I remember he said this. Mm-hmm. And so the more touch points you have with those folks, that if you can, mm-hmm. you know, at least kind of put a thought or plant a seed in their brain about your community, it's very helpful. So a lot of the, the things that I do is maintaining relationships with those folks. It's very, very difficult to target certain businesses and then go recruit them. If they're not looking to move, if they're not looking to expand, you've spent some time that it's not going to produce any results. Yeah. So you work with the people that know that there are projects out there. And then, so you're getting to the, to the right decision makers. Well, not that this would ever happen, but I'm going to make a call down there and, and make sure you have a schmoozing budget. <laughs> <laughs> we can schmooze these people. <laughs> There is some smoothing involved, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, I think in anything with business, it's all about building the relationships anyway. And that's yeah, the number one key in networking. It is. You know what I mean? And people get to know you. They like you. They want to do business with you. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, five years ago, uh, you know, we moved here. And I'm telling you, it instantly felt we belonged here. I mean, everybody was was friendly. It had a nice vibe to it. It just felt like this was a place to be. And it wasn't chaotic and, and hectic like I mean, sometimes we think Main Street, it's, it's very hectic, but that's nothing compared to traffic in other cities and, and even in Orlando, because that's such a crazy uh, place to be with all the tourism and everything else. The traffic is unbelievable. And it's uh, something that you really try to avoid. <laughs> but we, we're trying to attract people here. And I think a lot of small businesses uh, here in Hendersonville like that feel as well. Mm-hmm. And if we're trying to bring people from out of the area into Hendersonville, making this a, a great shopping environment. What does the small business uh, temperature look like for the future? I think it's a mixed bag, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've had small businesses that have really struggled through COVID. Some have closed their doors permanently, unfortunately. Some, you know, are on different schedules, you know, making whatever decisions and business moves that they needed to make to survive. So on the one side, you've got those folks that are that are surviving what we've currently got. You have other businesses that have learned through this that there's different ways that they can do business that have actually grown their sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so more of a, you know, more of an internet presence, pick up at the curb, you know, the things yeah. that you've seen that yeah. are allowing those folks to, to stay in business. And then on the, on the other side of that, you have commercial projects that are still looking at Hendersonville really daily. I don't think it slowed us down. It certainly impacted the businesses that have had to figure out how to try and survive through this, mm. but it necess- hasn't necessarily slowed the businesses that were in the planning phases of building a facility here. They're sure. still going through and still um, going through all the processes to make that happen. And, and that's a very robust pipeline right now. Yeah, we, we've talked about a couple of new businesses that have opened up recently. Give me a rundown of the ones that you know off the top of your head that are, are new to Hendersonville. Yeah. So the mayor had mentioned them, you know, you got pop shelf down on main street. You've got the new oil change place down on main street. And I know people have different opinions <laughs> on, on that, but the, the encouraging piece is we're getting a lot of investment down on old main street, yes. which hasn't necessarily happened on a larger scale. And right now you've got pop shelf and you've got the new oil place and you've got the ACE hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing people invest in, in, in old main street and, uh, and that's encouraging. And mm-hmm. then of course you got your existing folks like Brian's motorsports that are just reinvesting into sure. their, to their which homegrown nice. businesses, yeah. which is a, always a great story. And what they plan to do that area, I think would really spice that up. I know it's going to mess with their parking a little bit, but it's going to make that whole West end a lot more attractive. And I think it's, you know, it's coming. It probably just takes time. What are some of the other businesses that maybe people don't know about that you can say? So <laughs> of course they do know about the Smashing Crab, it's which here. is just open on yeah. Saturday. There is a new restaurant concept coming in to the old Jack in the Box, which I've learned that 
that building has been sitting empty for a while. over 10 years, I yes. think, which is really amazing to me. No water, um, no Whataburgers. No Whataburgers yeah. yet, but I suspect, I mean, they're looking at five locations sure. in Nashville, and be nice. there's no reason they shouldn't succeed. And if they do, then they'll, uh, they'll obviously grow their footprint here. Sure. And I, I would certainly see Hendersonville on their radar for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you got the Vanderbilt Women's Center that's is coming out of the ground over there next across from Lowe's, and that is a beautiful facility. It really is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's still been very robust. Our planning and codes department are super busy. So we haven't really seen any slowdown on the interest side. Yeah. Now, I know right outside our window, we have Regal Cinemas here. Yeah. And I know this is a corporate decision. They just have to look at a corporate standpoint and say, okay, we got to close this location, this one. Have you heard anything on if they're going to reopen or when? I did a little research, and what I found on their website was that there was no uh, indication that this facility was closing permanently. Oh, good. Um, what I was able to find was this was all, again, related back to COVID. You know, they opened the theaters. People weren't coming back. The The content has been really um, geared towards streaming. So I don't know that there's as many new releases coming out mm-hmm. as there was. So I'm hoping, like, like all of us, that this is a temporary situation and I can't find anything that says that it will be permanent. So sure. I'd like... You know, obviously, I think we'd all like to see this open back up when, Absolutely. when things get better. Well, we're getting right to the end of our, our program here. Any uh, closing remarks you would like to make uh, before we leave? Yeah, I think um, I wanted to just bring to people's attention. I know the, the mayor had, I don't know if he mentioned on, on the radio here, but um, there is a retail uh, and business Christmas decorating contest that Kathleen from the chamber has put together. um, And she's always looking for ways to celebrate and promote and, and help our businesses grow and prosper as you've may have heard her say once or twice. I think so. Um, (laughs) And and two, we're going to announce the winner right here on our Santa show, which starts on November 30th and goes through December 18th. So at some, towards the end of that, we're going to announce it. Santa will announce it right here in this very studio who the winner is going to be. And those are fun things that I think draw people to those locations. That's probably something I'd, I'd like to see look to become an annual thing. Yes. Um, and so when the city can partner with the chamber on that, for example, you know, what we could do on our end is is go to planning and say, hey, can we relax all of our window signage sure. restrictions oh, yeah, through, yeah. through the holidays yes. so these people can do that, which we've done. Okay. So that allows Kathleen to go to her, you know, her members and, and those folks and say, have at it. Right. You know, there's She'll no restrictions. And so we partner with her and things like that when it makes sense. And as you mentioned, you know, all the tourism is economic development. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings money into the city. We're using other people's money because they're, they're coming here, spending it, not using tax money to take kids to school, so forth and so on. And it brings people to the city that haven't been here. So yeah. all of that's economic development. And of course, we support that through yeah. all the work that Andy's been doing with the park. Sure. So all of those types of things help create awareness of what we're trying to do here in Hendersonville. Actually, it, the the forecast is positive, so that that's a good thing. So, uh, Mr. Rod Kirk, we thank you so much for coming back in here to our Sumner County Spotlight. Love to get that new information. I know people love listening for it. So that's going to wrap up this edition of Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon. Join us again next uh, Sunday, 10 a.m. right here at WHIN. And, of course, you can follow up this broadcast on Monday mornings after 8 o'clock on our website at whinradio.com and listen to all the podcasts that you have. We appreciate our sponsorship from FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard right here in Hendersonville and at my 
myfnmbank.com. This is Jeff Shannon saying so long. We'll see you next week. Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.